0: What's the first question you ask somebody when you meet them? Maybe not the first, but I'll tell you this, I know that within the first few minutes, it's usually, so what do you do? A recent financial diet piece talks about your identity and your career. And today we're going to dive into that topic with one of my favorite ever financial writers. Kristen Wong joins us on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money With Friends, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement outside of Detroit, Michigan. I'm Joe Salcihai.
1: And coming to you live from Pasadena, California, I'm Kristen Wong.
0: This is the podcast where we cover recent stories ripped from the financial press. And today we're tackling one from Kristen's home team place, The Financial Diet. Not only do we read them like some podcasts do, but we dive into how these affect your wallet and what you can do to invest, save and pay down debt more effectively. And if that's not enough we also share a big idea at the end of today's show that you can take with you to be better with money the rest of your day, all in usually less than 20 minutes. Today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money. Tiller is your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated every day. Only Tiller Money automatically updates Google Sheets and Excel within your daily spending, transactions, and account balances. You can try it for free by going to TillerHQ.com, but... If you want 20% off your yearly subscription, go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for money with friends, and you'll have 20% off. Well, we didn't scare away yesterday. Kristen Wong is back for more. I'm so happy that you stayed around. Oh,
1: so, uh, I, I wouldn't have missed it.
0: She's like, just barely, big guy. <laughs> just, <laughs> no way. Just barely. So you talked about being in Pasadena. You're now you're now spending time on each coast.
1: I am. it sounds way more glamorous than it is. I'm very tired, but it's also like it's such a fun thing to be able to do. So I'm living in New York and uh, Pasadena at the moment.
0: And but the cool thing is I'm imagining the frequent flyer miles though, Kristen adding up and you probably get some nice seats from time to time.
1: Yeah, I'm learning what that means and how to do that. Uh, you have to fly with the same airline though, which is the problem for me. Cause I'll just like find the cheapest flight. Yeah. I have no loyalty. No.
0: Well, you do have loyalty to whoever's cheapest. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. So, so the debate raging this last week, as you know, and we need to get into our topic here because this is a very, very big one, big thoughts today that you're bringing to the table. But first of all, reclining in your seat or not reclining. I'm sure you saw that video of the guy kicking the woman's seat. Do you recline when you're in coach or not?
1: Um, I look at the person behind me and see how irritated they look um, and see if they're reclining. And if they're reclining, then I recline. And it also depends on if the person in front of me is reclining. But generally, I read some advice that was like, you should ask permission to recline. Like, ask if it's okay. And I like that.
0: I've never had anybody do that, though. Usually, the jerk in front of me just reclines right in my lap. And I get to spend the entire time not getting to use my tray table. And
1: you're uh, a tall man.
0: I, I am. It 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 is very frustrating for me.
1: Yeah. See, I never thought it was that big of a deal because I'm like five two. <laughs> and <laughs> no. then my friend, who's like she's six foot, she's like, no. Every time someone does it, my, it just hits the back of my knees. It's horrible. So
0: I was gonna say, I think because Cheryl, my spouse, is five two also, and it's not a big deal for her. She's like, hey, yeah, if you so want to recline like, in front of me, who cares? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're like, why is this news?
0: Well, now that we solve that big question, we've got the small question, which is your identity and your career. Uh, (laughs) uh, Why did you choose this one, Kristen, by the way, before we get into it?
1: Because it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I recently, after 10 years of freelancing and working for myself, went into a full-time job and it's forced me to come to terms with a lot of the way that I identify myself according to my work. And so it's just been on my mind a lot. And we had a writer write about this and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. And I always love hearing how other people relate to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get into it right now. Let's see which one of our friends is gonna help us kick off today's show. This is Scott from the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right, today's piece uh, comes to us from The Financial Diet and it's written by Grace Dada. It's called PSA. Your career is not your self-worth. Kristen, you want to do the honors?
1: Sure. In 2019, I launched an online platform for and by Black women called Sorella Magazine. It's since become a space for discussions about the nuances of Black womanhood and the effects of colorism, racism, and other isms in Black women's daily lives. As a business owner, the most important lesson I've learned is that I am not my business. While I'm proud of what I've accomplished, it's only part of who I am. My identity stretches far beyond my entrepreneurial skills, and this is why I've learned to find the line between my professional success and my self-worth, especially as an entrepreneur and especially as a Black female entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are significantly more vulnerable to mental illness than the general population. Founders are twice as likely to have depression and twice as likely to have suicidal thoughts as well as 10 times more likely to suffer from bipolar disorder, according to a 2015 study.
0: Forbes, therapist and executive coach Morgan Bruneau, blames these grim statistics on a common statement she hears from clients. I don't know who I am if I'm not the founder of X., she describes the tendency that entrepreneurs have to lose ourselves in the construction of our businesses to an extent that we become detached from our own needs, disconnected from friends and loved ones, and sacrifice other sources of meaning, such as relationships, parenting, travel, and play. According to her, the danger exists when our entire lives revolve around our work. Of course, this habit isn't limited to business owners. Anyone who's remotely ambitious might Confligate their professional worth with their self worth. Such a variety of factors affect your professional success. It's important to separate the two. This is especially true if you're a Black woman. When you encounter obstacles that make your journey especially challenging, it's crucial to remember your career is not your self worth. And by the way, the rest of the piece goes on to talk about some of those structural barriers that uh, Black women and, and other gr- minority groups have and um, uh, all kinds of issues. However, even as a middle-aged white guy, where I don't suffer from any of those, um, and and because of that, can't really comment on those, I still saw as a financial planner, Kristen, and working largely with people who weren't entrepreneurs, I would see this with people's retirement dilemma. They would go all day, every day to work, and even though they didn't think that was who they were, they'd retire, and when they retired, you would see them wilt, like, noticeably wilt, because whether they were a postal carrier, the UPS person, a line worker at General Motors, an engineer, whatever it was, I think we all attach way more to our net worth than we, th- or excuse me, to our self-worth about what we do than we think we do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think net worth too, it's, it's often about how much money we bring in and what we're doing for a living. For me, it's very much what I'm doing for a living. But I'm curious, like, then what was your response to people who were wilting in that way. I mean, how did I don't even I mean, I don't know if that was your role, but like what did what was how, what was the solution to that?
0: No, it was ahead of time before we got there, I would warn people that that's the issue. And it's not for retirement it was more about not what you're going from because everybody was like I'm not going to X place anymore. And that's that was basically their thought. It's not about what you're going from, it's about what you're going to. And so uh, it, it's, it's funny because I have a coach, uh, 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 I'm in this coaching class for entrepreneurs right now. And a big part of the coaching that they have to your point on this piece is the same thing. It's getting away from your work, get away from your work and, and have other things. And they call them free days where you're not allowed to open your email. You're not allowed to talk to anybody from work. You have to get rid of it. And I have to tell you, as a creator who attaches a lot of self-worth around, you know, the fun that we have with this podcast and with Stacking Benjamins, that was damn near impossible. Like, it was horrible. (laughs) I have have such a hard time not thinking about work. But I found lately that the more I do that, the better I am at work, number one, because when I come here, I'm here. And I know that I only have so much time. And when I'm away, I find that that's starting to inform my work, like things I do around the house. And I actually have some life experience that doesn't involve being at a computer all day, right? I have things to talk about that I didn't used to have. Like it's actually working out better for me.
1: Like you have perspective.
0: Maybe. I'm (laughs) not sure I'm there yet.
1: Well, I think that's so important, but I am with you. It's hard, especially if you really enjoy what you do. Like I really love what I do and I have for a long time. And so sometimes it's it's hard to it's hard to know when I'm just working because of this compulsive need to work and when I'm just gener- I'm having fun, you know? Because yeah. there's such a yeah. blurry line between the two.
0: I totally agree with that. Cuz I think there's nothing I'd rather do than make podcast. In fact, Cheryl and I were just talking about our retirement, our quote, retirement goals. And she said she'd be happy, you know, retiring at 55. She loves what she does, but she's like 55, maybe 60. And then she looked at me and you know what she said? She goes, you're 75, like 80. (laughs) Yes. Like if I can have like an oxygen tank hooked up and somebody can wheel me up to the thing and both listeners that want to pay attention to that guy are, are still listening. like there'd be nothing more fun. Perfect. But, but, but still that creates a problem because what happens when it gets taken away from you? Right. Because, because you and I were talking about that earlier, that, that when you were laid off, that got difficult. And I saw that with people, they would work at a job, especially here in the motor city. Man, I remember having clients that their whole thing was, Hey, I'm a GM person, or I'm a Chrysler person, and then Chrysler says, we don't want you anymore, then all of a sudden, your loyalty to this brand that has no loyalty to you anymore, man, that that upset the apple cart.
1: Mm, yeah, I can only imagine. And, and I felt that way when I lost my job. I was laid off um, maybe gosh 10 years ago or so and it just like I think anytime you lose a job of course you're going to go through some stages of grief of course it's going to be hard but it was extra hard because I just realized how much that job was it felt like I was being rejected as a person it felt like I had no sense of worth as a person because I really hadn't built up an identity outside of my career and that's just something that I I struggle with it's an ongoing thing like when people tell like I remember a, a I I met somebody at a networking event and she was like, Oh, you know, what do you do for fun? And my response was just, Oh, I work a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like fun. What is that? I don't know. I don't know how to have fun.
0: You're like, I write Uh, funnier stuff.
1: (laughs) That's what I do Just work. That's fun. (laughs) But there's so much more. And I think there's something to be said for like doing things that aren't monetizable or you're not going to monetize. And I come from a very, like I monetize everything. Anytime even a friend is like, Oh, I like going skiing. I'm like, okay, how can we make this into a business? You know, like I love figuring out ways to make money. Um, But I think it's important to get away from doing that sometimes just like having interest. I mean, it sounds so fundamental, but for somebody like me and maybe you, Joe, it's just, it's worth repeating. I think like it makes sense to have hobbies and interests that have nothing to do with work or money.
0: One of my one of my favorite uh, people that I've that I've interviewed, besides Kristen Wong, by the way. It was uh, was a a guy, uh, Austin Cleon who wrote a great book called uh, Steal Like an Artist and a few others. But Austin, when I interviewed Austin, I asked him because he was talking about side hustles in one of his books and doing side projects. And I said, why would you do side hustles and side projects versus just getting better at your main job, right? Like you take this time. It seems to me like with an engineering mind that I would get rid of these other things And instead, focus much more on one thing and get that 10,000 hours quicker so that I'm so much better at that thing. And you know what he said? He said that the other stuff, you, you do not ever stop doing the other stuff because, in the weirdest ways, it informs that main job. And he talked about how, you know, he's an artist and about how he'll be playing guitar and he'll do some chord progression. And all of a sudden, even though it's music, it translates to his visual art. He gets this great idea. Just Mm. But then you think about that. Like, my best ideas for the show come when I'm running, you know? I mean, come when I'm working out or I'm on vacation or I'm somewhere way far away. And I go, oh, my God, there's this fantastic idea. Like, I feel like I never get good ideas when I'm sitting at my keyboard. I don't know about you.
1: I can 100% relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, When you take a step back, it just does something to your brain that helps you think more clearly
0: about it. it it's 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 gotta be. We do this show live uh, with a Facebook audience. And if you wanna join us, head to uh, facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins, the Stacking Benjamins Facebook page. But Kimberly's hanging out with us and she says this one, boy, we had this. She said, I feel like empty nesters struggle this identity shift too when their kids are on their own. Cheryl and I... Uh, it was, it was so painful, Kristen. Like at first, I'd say the first three months that our kids were gone, it was fantastic. And then it was absolutely horrible, like horrible because it had been 18 years since our twins had not been there. And so it's just the two of us. And I'll tell you, it was, it was absolutely horrible. And then it got fantastic again, but we had to work through some serious, like, who are we? kind of things first. And now like the the last year with my spouse is probably the best year we've ever had. We've had some phenomenal years, but before that I'd say 2017 was maybe the ugliest year we, we ever had married. Like it was, it was, it was pretty bad, but yeah. uh, Identifying yourself that way too. Like I'm, I'm a parent, right?
1: Right. I mean, that's work too. So then how did you get past that?
0: Uh, uh, nearly got divorced. <laughs> and then and then and, then, and but, 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 but and and I'm being funny there but I'm not because what that did was we had some very brutal conversations about who we were and how we wanted our relationship to be and once we had those conversations uh, that we'd always kind of worked around right um, mm-hmm. And we went straight down main street about those. Uh, then it got really, really, really good. Then it got, it, it got great. We have way different conversations than we would have ever had before. Very, very awesome. blunt, fun conversations. Like truly my best friend, always been my best friend, but truly my confidant and best friend. That's um,
1: amazing. I mean, it's probably kind of cool too, to get to know each other outside of being parents again, you know?
0: Yeah, I totally agree now. But I would have nobody swim the moat we swam to get there. (laughs) Uh, It's just it was it was not good to be that great now. Um, But I suppose that's what you have to go through. It's funny somebody there was a there was a piece that I saw recently to a woman talking about she's she's a homemaker right, and Mm -hmm. so as a stay at home mom, she said that she would go to parties. And, and they, people would say, oh, and she would be having this interesting conversation with somebody. And then they would say, so what do you do? And she'd say, well, I'm a stay at home mom. And she said, she could see people just click off. Like their, their, their view of her went from high to not so high anymore. And, um, she said that was difficult, you know, to have, to to have that. And, and there's, there's another piece that I think we're going to be talking about soon on Stacking Benjamins about this woman that's always had low paying jobs, And she goes, whenever I tell people what I do, she goes, I feel like there's this body blow where I don't feel like people really respect what I do. That's, that's gotta be kind of the opposite side of this.
1: Right. Yeah. But it goes back to the same thing, which is like, I think as a society, we attach so much value or so much sense of worth to what you do for a living. Like you said, it's the first question you ask somebody, but then again, I don't like what other question would you ask getting to know somebody? but maybe that's just because I've been so ingrained in this work culture. That's like, what else would you have? What else could you possibly ask someone besides what do you do? I know it feels like
0: this polite thing just to start a conversation.
1: Right. It's almost like you don't even care. It's just like the default thing. It's like, Oh, what do you do? Yeah. You know,
0: but then I will say that when somebody answers, I do care.
1: I do care. Yeah. Um, but I can relate to the woman you were saying, um, when she says she's a stay at home mom, people like they're kind of seem deflated or like, don't know what to say. Cause I wonder about that too. Like if becoming a mom, I mean, I've, am not becoming a mom. I'm not currently in the process of becoming a mom, but I there's, like no to, there's no announcement.
0: There's <laughs> no announcement here.
1: This is not an announcement, <laughs> but you know, I think about that all the time. Is like, how, how does your identity change? Um, And how do people, you know, perceive you differently based on what you do? You know, that's still a very important, that's a more important job, um, in some ways. So I don't know, it's complicated.
0: I remember even we were starting the podcast and Cheryl was going to work every day and I was at home kind of building the blog and the podcast at the time that she, that, uh, uh, friends of ours always said, "What do you do? Do you s- just sleep all day and then like get on a microphone?" And it was only when we started winning awards, like several years later, that my friends actually thought I had a job. Like, and and wow. that and that was always weird. That was tough. Like people, like, "Hey, lazy dude! Like, what do you?" I'm like, "No, no, no, no! I'm working my butt off. You just aren't seeing any of it." But. How do you Yeah, th-
1: that's the other thing. About working for yourself is like I don't think anybody ever really understood what I did. <laughs> like nobody in my family really knew what I did and I I do think they kind of thought I just wasn't working, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now so, you
0: yeah. No, you get up and some stuff comes to you. Like the writer's job is so easy, Kristen. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, it's, just sit it's super back easy. and... Yeah. It's it it, it is uh, uh there was there was one other issue that I wanted to bring up on uh, on this front, which is the the idea of um of career versus other things uh there is a doctor i know in this community who is i think he's 92 years old and he's a family friend and he still goes into work a few days a week but and i think it i think of this piece about how who you are is not should not be. I mean we're we're generally coming down on your 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 self-worth should not be conflated with your self-identity. Yet if mm-hmm. if Dr. Dorsey had being a pediatrician taken away from him it would destroy him. It is who he is. And the reason he goes into work every day is because it is who he is. And I personally think, Kristen, it's the reason he hasn't died, right? I mean, and he's had some horrible illnesses. Like there have been two times where we were sure he was going to die within the week, and he's probably at his practice working this week. But if you took that away from him, it would be it would be horrible. So I think of that kind of as the antithesis of this. If 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 you took away his entrepreneurial spirit, he he he, it would be bad.
1: Yeah. I think about that a lot too because I'm like, but I, I do love what I do for a living and it does drive me in a lot of ways. I wake up and I'm excited to start work and I don't know, I can see myself being one of those people who if I retired, like I wouldn't know what to do. Like I want, I like having something to work toward. It makes me feel alive and fulfilled and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think it's a balance between like not letting that completely take over and define the entirety of who you are um, and still being able to enjoy your work at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a uh, deep discussion. I'm sure we're not going to solve today. <laughs> and on, <laughs> <We can try. laughs> on that note, we will have our big idea, Kristen and I in just a second uh, about this incredible piece. But before we get to that, want to say just a big thanks to Tiller Money for supporting Money with friends. Tiller money is your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated every day what happens is this is that different than a lot of the uh of the financial tools that i've used the apps that i've used to track my spending in the past what i like about tiller is it's based on a spreadsheet and a lot of the time those apps that i've used don't have any of the tools that i really like or they have too many tools and i get lost in all the cool chrome and i just want one or two basic things The cool thing about Tiller is because it's a spreadsheet, I can delete the parts that I don't like. I can add the parts that I do. And there's always a bunch of people in the community working on different types of spreadsheets. So I can align my spreadsheet with whichever one of those creators I want. I'm not stuck using a default program and deciding, do I like this program or do I not like it? I can make it whatever I do like and get away from the stuff that I don't. So if you want to Try it out yourself. Head to tillerhq.com. If you like it and you want 20% off the subscription, uh, head to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF to sign up and you will get 20% off uh, your subscription with Tiller money. And I love love my Tiller money. Um, and it's different, Kristen, for me than for most people. I just want it very simple. And when you hear of spreadsheets, you don't hear simple. For me, the fact that I had a spreadsheet let me make it very, very basic what I was getting instead of all this mumbo jumbo that a lot of people want. I think I'm the anti money guy. Like most people, most money people just want charts. Most of the people you and I know as friends want 50 charts and graphs. And I'm like, please God, don't give me any of that. (laughs) So strange. Which side side do you come down on? I bet you have 50 million charts and graphs.
1: I was going to say, I'm one of those people.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I bet. (laughs) I've
1: got spreadsheets for, I've got spreadsheets to keep track of my spreadsheets.
0: (laughs) Spreadsheets on our spreadsheets. That's good. Yeah. All right. What's our big takeaway from this, Kristen? Ugh.
1: You know, you said something at the beginning of this that I think is really important of just having that time to not check email and not do any work at all. But I think that's that can be kind of hard and overwhelming for some of us. So I think just taking a small, like one small step, like just not checking your email first thing in the morning or something like that. Um, I check my email first thing in the morning compulsively <laughs> because I just want to know what work I, you know, what work I have to dig into that day. But I think just doing some like those small, tiny steps to just kind of create some distance and give yourself some uh, break from just compulsively working all the time is really important. And I think ultimately, ironically, kind of helps with your productivity. Like you said, it clears your mind and helps you like when you are nurturing other aspects of your life, it kind of lets you go back to your work with a fresh perspective and a fresh take on things. So I think taking regular breaks and doing one small thing like that. To um, to detach yourself from your work a little bit is a good thing.
0: I I, I totally agree, and I'm just going to riff off your takeaway because mine is very similar. We hear mm-hmm. all the time this idea of balance, and I frankly don't agree to balance. I look at the greatest creators that I know, and none of them are balanced. None <laughs> of them are balanced, and and yet we also we always pursue this thing that I think largely is a lie. If we want to create something for ourselves. Um, however, I do think that those breaks and those other things that, that round out your identity are, uh, not just, not just like great shock absorbers. I think, I think they're necessary and they inform your work. Like it makes you better at your work to be that. And the cool thing is when that work goes away, you also have other things to hang on to. So your net worth is much more rounded into, I bring all these things to what I do not just I am this and that is me, but I can bring stuff to that. And then if that thing goes away, I can still bring all these tools to something else. Right. That's
1: interesting. I like that. So then instead of you becoming your work, your work becomes you.
0: It's it, It's like you're the painter and, and it's not, you know, it's just your work is just one painting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So paint your life. I don't know. Is that a saying? That's good is that food a thing? for thought. Yeah, I like <laughs> I that. Know. I don't know. Kristen, where do we find you besides here?
1: Uh, you can find me at kristenwong.com. Um, check out thefinancialdiet.com. I'm on the interweb. <laughs> Did I just, I said interweb and I said it unironically. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. That, I am is all bad. over the place. At the Wild Wong,
0: yeah, and the Wild Wong is maybe my favorite Twitter handle, everything handle of all. Um, and by the way, get Kristen's book, Get Money. One of my favorite financial books, just fantastic. Gamifying your finances, super fun read. And uh, and you check the boxes, and you go through it, and you get more money. It's it's, it's that easy, right? It's like a cash machine, Kristen. That's ba-
1: yes, that is basically it. Yes, <laughs> I just need you to promote my book all the time, Joe.
0: Kristen is back in a month. Until then, uh um Kristen have a fantastic month. Tomorrow it's going to be Bobby and I back with another headline. We'll see you guys back here next time on Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com.